Oh, son of a nutcracker. Tyler, what happened? I just spilled my Dr. Pepper all over my hoodie. That's a shock. It's ruined. Oh, man. Well, you know what? I know where you can get an even sweeter hoodie. You do? You need to visit dadsmeatworld.threadless.com. You can get pullovers, zip-ups, sweatshirts, even long-sleeve t-shirts with our logo and even our faces on it. Wow, that's awesome. So I can just get shirts and that's alone and hoodies, right? That's it? Oh, no. There's stickers, there's magnets, there's phone cases, mugs, and more. What? Oh, yeah. How don't I know about this? Well, you were a little busy eating, so I didn't want to bother you earlier, but it's Dad's Meat World dot threadless dot com. I need to go there right now. Here's your chance to try a little harder. Welcome back to Dad's Meat World, your weekly dose of Boy Meets World nostalgia with two dads who just want to get back into the happy-go-lucky, carefree days of the 1990s where everything was so much simpler and easier. <laughs> well, And there was no uh, prejudice whatsoever. There Absolutely was no none. prejudice, especially in, in, uh, in the nice suburbs of Philadelphia. Well, uh, <laughs> you heard my uh, co-host. I am one of your two dads for the week. I am Brett and my co-host, uh, your other dad... I am number two dad this week. I am Tyler. Yes. (laughs) Well, today we're going to explore another episode. Uh, Before we get there, though, Tyler, how are are you doing this week? Uh, Anything exciting going on in your homestead? Oh, is there stuff exciting happening for me? (laughs) Uh, So... Just so you understand, listeners, I've been going through a a renovation process, which feels like it's been about 20 years, though it's only been about two at this point. Um, So we've been just like, it feels like we're just constantly moving stuff, moving stuff, moving stuff, moving stuff. And so we're finally getting to the point where we're getting most of our stuff in the house. You know, I built some shelves over this past couple weeks uh, and I made it really nice looking. I took uh, some old um, ceiling that was in like the porch area and I used that to build like a wall for the shelving and everything it looks really nice you know i finally got the office space kind of figured out so we're just we're we're figuring things out slowly but surely we're just like good lord can we just stop having all of our stuff on the kitchen table (laughs) (laughs) what about you brett what's going on with your your neck of the woods oh our neck of the woods you know i uh i went to the fair uh, yesterday, uh, my wife and I uh, went to the Canfield Fair, which is uh, Mahoney County. Mahoney County, yes, I believe. Uh, Mahoney County Fair. Uh, big, big deal. Uh, we both grew up roughly in the same area, so we're both very familiar with fair. Big tradition for her to go every year. And uh, my family went most years. And so we, we went without the kids. Didn't have nice. any of them with us. And, uh, you know, we're walking around looking at the animal barns. There was, uh, uh, we walked right past the one of the horse rings as uh, some ponies were being paraded around. There was some sort of costume contests. Uh, so, you know, there was a, who's Jack Skellington's love interest in Night Before Christmas, Nightmare Before Christmas? Sally? 
Sally and uh, Jack's ghost dog. Um, mm-hmm. The horse was decorated, was dressed up as Jack's ghost dog, you know. And just nice. a, just a bunch of ponies and costumes and their riders slash owners wearing costumes parading them around. And, you know, we're working our way through all the fun barns and getting our elephant ears and fair fries as, as you do. And we knew it was going to rain at some point. Uh, we knew, you know, we're checking the radar. We know it's about to hit big. We're going to get hit with a, a nice thunderstorm that's going to come through. So we find a, a spot with an awning and some benches. We set up camp there, get our fair fries. We're going to be there for a little bit. And we just get hit with this torrential downpour with thunder, lightning, high winds for an hour straight, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is, you know, it's okay. We're sitting out enjoying the thunderstorm, mm-hmm. watching people run by, coming under, rain out their shirts, going back out <laughs> and, uh, you know, talking to some of the people that are under with us and you know, checking the radar. We see we're about to get out of the worst of it and it's getting to be late. So we're going to head home. And uh, <laughs> as we're heading back out, the Streets that are through the fairgrounds, they're all paved over. There are rivers running through the fairgrounds that are anywhere between ankle deep to halfway up Kelly's calves. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And it's not just water. There's some diesel fuel that's running off from the rides. And, you know, there's animals at fairs, so there's some manure that's hey, flowing. Oh, oh, there's, there's, there's poop. <laughs> oh, yeah. And so by the time we get to our car... Despite the raincoat and the umbrella, we're both soaked all the way through and just, it was, you know what? It was a lot of fun though. <laughs> we haven't had one of those fun dates in a long time. And so, yeah, yeah, it was just a lot of fun, uh, a, a good fun weekend for us. Good. Well, do you think we should uh, get into this episode? I think we should. So we're going to look at t- this week, this week, this week. This week, <laughs> the eighth episode of season one, Teacher's Bet. Now, this week, Mr. Feeney makes a bet with Corey to teach his class for a week. And if more students pass, Corey wins. And if more students fail than normal, Mr. Feeney wins. Now, this is written by April Kelly, directed by uh-huh. David Trainer. Getting very familiar with hearing David's voice, uh, uh-huh. uh, or his name. <laughs> well, his directorial voice. His name directing uh, these episodes. Originally aired on November 19th, 1993, and currently enjoys an IMDb rating of 8.4. Let's dive right in. Let's do it. We're going to open up in the cafeteria. Mm-hmm. Sean brings a newspaper into Corey. Uh, it's an article about Barry Bonds' new contract. And Minkus is curious uh, about this. Uh, and uh, Minkus has worked out the math on this new contract to being $7.16 million per year for this baseball player. Mm-hmm. And Minkus feels that compared to Mr. Feeney's $40,000 a year, this is just so highly wrong because uh-huh. Minkus feels that Mr. Feeney is grossly underpaid. Uh-huh. Meanwhile, Sean and Corey feel that Mr. Peeney, Mr. Mr. Feeney, Mr. Peeney, Mr. Peeney. Wow. We're about a season too early weenie, for that. Weenie, weenie. <laughs> Wow. Um. Weenie. It says weenie. (laughs) Cool. Um, 
feels that Mr. Feeney is grossly overpaid mm-hmm. because teaching's this great. It's just so easy. Mm-hmm. And so there's this nice little interchange where uh, Corey and Sean talk about how Mr. Feeney's going to walk in. He's going to go through his normal morning routine. He's going to get a drink at the at the water fountain. He's going to flick his mustache and he's going to come by and ask Mr. Matthews if he did the homework assignment. And, and then he's going to, you know, it's they, they got his routine down pat because he's just uh-huh. so predictable. And so Mr. Feeney goes through his routine with the boys and Corey gives him the same, the, an excuse apparently he's given before that his sister ate his homework. Yeah. Which I guess is relevant since they don't have a dog. But it's mm-hmm. Mr. Feeney who gets the dig in with. You are so predictable. And I have to ask, how much attention does Corey pay to Mr. Feeney's schedule that he has his mannerisms memorized like this in the morning? Mm-hmm. Especially considering how little attention he tells us he pays later on in the episode to him in the classroom. Right. But if, okay, <laughs> from my understanding in this school, which apparently has only one cafeteria, there's no teacher's area yeah well it is it is a middle school and it is we we've we figured out it's probably a lower priority maybe even though the matthews live in a more upscale neighborhood it clearly has students from a lower income area so like if mr fiend's coming in every single day and doing the same exact thing. And if you argue, even though the show later on will tell us that he's been their teacher for their whole life, what's for argument's sake, because this season makes it clear that they are not. If he's seen him over the years, though, doing this, it's not that hard to argue that, you know, yes, in fact, he knows that Mr. Feeney's going to do this no matter what because he's his neighbors and he he pays attention, quote unquote, to his activities, but not necessarily what he says. Fair enough. Yeah. So uh, interesting. Interesting that Minkus knows so much about Mr. Feeney's income. Yeah. yeah. But it's also public record. That it is. And so if it's a public yeah. school, you know, they'll list off and say what people are making, you know, yeah. if they got nothing else to post about. Yeah, I'm not saying that it's inaccurate, and especially knowing right. Minkus and money is, but just interesting. Would you, would you like me to get into this discussion about baseball salaries compared to public school educators in the I '90s? Thought you'd never ask. <laughs> okay, so to start, Barry Bonds. We've talked about this gentleman before. Uh, very big name in baseball. I found a website that actually lists off all of his contracts that he's had over the years. From 1985 to 92, he had one-year contracts. A lot of times, if you have a player that you want to stick around to be a quote-unquote franchise player, you want to give them 
a long-term contract that keeps them around as long as possible. There'll be billboards all around their cities and they'll do interviews, you know, with different media outlets. Their goal is to get that person's face everywhere. Here is the amounts he was making while playing for the Pirates. million, $4.7 million. The big contract that they're talking about in this scene is a contract between 1993 to 1998. It's a six year, $43,755,000 contract. I hope I said that right. Basically it's a 43.7 million dollar contract with a signing bonus of 2.5, so his average salary ends up being like 7.3. Now, I'm sure Minkus is more correct with the way that all these things calculate. This is just I'm going off of what the website was showing me. I'm sure Minkus didn't have the signing bonus to factor in there. Right. Yeah, if he didn't have the signing bonus, it's understandable. So if you if you factor in, though, with the next contracts he gets, he gets this two-year contract after that. Uh, that is uh, $22.9 million. The next contract he gets is a four-year contract that is a $90 million contract with a $10 million signing bonus. So per year, it's about $18 million. And then his last year, 2007, uh, when he breaks the home run record, was uh, $15.8 million. Now, <laughs> the average salary of a baseball player in the MLB in 93 is $1.1 million. That's taking into account of the top paid players, like the Barry Bonds, to the lowest paid players, the players that people never really hear of. In Barry Bonds last year, 2007, the average salary was 2.8. And today, average salary is 4.41. So if you compare the contract he got in 93 to today, the highest paid per year player right now is a pitcher for the Mets. Uh, his name is Mark Scherzer, and he makes $43.3 million a year. So almost Barry Bond's whole contract for six years. This guy, this one pitcher is getting paid one year. Cool. <laughs> Thank you. So the top <laughs> player with the longest contract, though, is a guy named Mike Trout. He's an outfielder for the Angels. He gets paid uh, about $37.1 million uh, a year. Again, very close to Barry Bonds' contract. But he has a 12-year contract. So that sucker is $426 million, which is, you know, just a few million shy of almost half a bill. Just a few. Yeah. So it's just, it's, the thing I want to point out with bringing up those numbers is just understanding of when they talk about the original number in the 90s of being such a ginormous number, you know, today we're wiping the floor with that. <laughs> you know, it's not even close. And even oh, as yeah. Barry Bonds was was going up, you know, his next contract, he was getting paid, you know, more per year on the next contract and almost about the same the next time. Or he was getting paid almost um, over double in the next time he got a big contract. So, you know, these guys are constantly making more and more money. 
And a big part of that is because of Barry Bonds and hitting more home runs and let's just say steroids and whatnot. But hey, oh, yes. at the end of the day, lots of lots of people are making a lot of money and uh, there's only a few people getting blamed for it. That's a whole nother podcast for a whole nother day. <laughs> we won't get into whether or not professional athletes really deserve the millions and millions of dollars that they, well, can we say earn? <laughs> yes. Uh, or the billionaires that are making even more off of them. <laughs> but yes, that is another podcast for another show. Luckily, uh, you know, Corey's really into baseball right now, which is why we're constantly talking about baseball stuff. Exactly. <laughs> Eventually, we'll no longer talk about sports like this in the show. <laughs> Give us about, oh, I I don't know, 14 episodes, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if that, yeah, I guess it's about really 14 this. episodes, and once Corey discovers girls, you know, once he gets his telegram, yeah. <laughs> so, I was just going to get into the teacher stuff real quick. So, oh, yeah, yeah, we uh, haven't talked about salary, the celebrities. <laughs> yeah, so teacher salary for in the 90s in Pennsylvania is really close to what they're saying for his salary. So around mm -hmm. 40,000 is really accurate. I've seen some a little less, a little more. It's right in that dead middle for his experience. Mm -hmm. uh, for a teacher uh, today, it would be about 62,000 in Pennsylvania. Now, real quick, one last thing, and then I promise I'll stop talking about money until we get more into the bet. Just remember, kids, if you want to make money, go into professional sports, not teaching, because it's very easy to get into. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> if you take into account inflation, Barry Bonds making $7.3 million a year compared to what it would be today, the value is about uh, fifteen point one million dollars. Okay. So if a guy was making in a baseball contract this year seven point three million dollars, Barry Bonds made more money than him by almost double or over double of what he's making right now. Mm -hmm. For teachers, if Feeney was making forty grand in the nineties, teachers, I am sorry for the number you're about to hear. <laughs> Compared to today, you're looking at about uh, 83000 83, So teachers are making half of what they should have been making. And Minkus is saying they're being underpaid already. Yeah, like I said, teachers, I am very sorry for the number you just heard. Um, yes, teachers, we really appreciate you. We are sorry for this. You, We don't deserve you. On this podcast, teachers, we respect you and we... Uh, well, we, we wish you were uh, better compensated. Yes. So that, 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 that made me very sad when I realized that. But let's get more into the episode, and we will have to talk about money a little more. But I just – I knew we were going to have to talk about, you know, the whole baseball thing, the whole teacher <laughs> salary, and really talk deep into those. So. Uh, yes, we would. So let's uh, – Scene two. Yes. <laughs> Let's go with Act One because uh, that ends goes into the uh, theme song. We'll come back from that. And uh, prejudice is the topic in Mr. Feeney's class today, and he's uh, handing out a book that he's gonna have his students read. And he's talking about with prejudice being the topic. He's gonna talk about prejudice against blacks in the South, Jews in Nazi Germany, and uh, Corey's not. <sighs> Corey's not sure that they really need to be th learning about this. And, you know, he's got some of his normal 
uh, I can't really call them outbursts, but we'll call them comments that he throws out in class. You know, we're eight episodes in. We're kind of used to this dynamic. Mr. Feeney dismisses class and uh, decides to call Corey up to talk to him. And uh, their conversation goes a little bit like this. I note an escalating tendency for you to make humorous comments about the things I'm teaching, Mr. Matthews. You are making my job very difficult. Well, we both know it's not very hard to teach sixth grade, so I always thought you secretly liked that I make it a little more challenging. So that's it. My job is easy. Well, you know, same stuff every year. Only thing that changes is the students. You know, I always thought you had the easy job, just sitting in class, listening. Are you kidding? 35 hours a week in here with you? Made your homework every night? It never stops, Mr. Feeney. And you want to know what I get for all that? Five measly bucks a week. You'd probably make that in an hour. Yes, I do. That's why I can afford that Ferrari in my driveway. You don't drive a Ferrari. Oh, right. It's a gremlin. In any event, perhaps I have been underestimating the difficulty of your job as a sixth grader. Well, perhaps you have, Mr. Feeney. Hmm. What? Well, I could give you a chance to prove your theory. What do you mean? I mean, why don't we trade jobs for the rest of the week? Because you wouldn't do that. Oh, yes, I would. You may teach one of my classes until Friday, at which point you will administer a test that I have prepared. Will I have to take it? You'll be the teacher, Mr. Matthews. (laughs) You'll be having the easy job, giving the test. And if more students than normal pass, you win. And if more students fail, I win. So while I'm doing your job, what are you going to do? Well, since you'll be sitting in my seat, I think it's only fair that I should be sitting in yours. You mean you'd be like my student? Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I know that this is a... Uh, we, we were, we're recording this as an audio podcast, but this is really a visual... Uh, exchange, just the looks on their faces, the mm-hmm. uh, Feeney's eyebrow raises and his the look on his face when he goes like, yeah. And, <laughs> you know, Corey's grin when he sees that Mr. Feeney's going to be his student. It's, it's all just perfect. Mm-hmm. I love how enthused Mr. Feeney is about this project. It's yep. it's very experiential for him. He wants to put Corey in the driver's seat. We've already had at least one episode where he's been very open with Corey about students learning at different levels, having different skills, and having different uh, capabilities of what they can learn and what how they process. And so being able to call his bluff and let him experience what it really is like to try and teach this classroom of students. Mm-hmm. Uh, high marks for Mr. Feeney. It's just high respect. Right. Now, here's the question that I was wondering while watching this. Do you think this was his plan all along? After handing out the... Like, like when he assigned the book initially that he was expecting this all along? Yeah. Hmm. I'm going to go with no. I'm, I'm going to go with that this probably was something that he's had in his back pocket 
that he's been expecting mm-hmm. to enact and was just waiting for it. Okay. I'll give you my answer at the end of what I think. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I love this scene, though, with Mr. Feeney and Corey, because it is uh, it is energetic. It's, uh, you know, they're having fun with it. And, uh, you know, I think that Corey has thousands of ideas of what he's going to do. And George is like, yep, just wait. <laughs> Be careful what you wish for, young Padawan. Ha ha. Mm-hmm. So we uh, we leave the school, head home. Eric has a new girl he's coming home with. Not the same girl from the first few episodes. It's now yeah. Linda. And Linda Apparently little- Heather... Yeah, Heather's, like, Heather's Heather, gone. Heather's no more. Jessica's no more. Linda. It's now Linda. And Linda looked a little familiar to me. Um, Linda's been around in Hollywood. Very, very active. Uh, she's been on a couple of soaps for a lot. Not That's not where I know her from. Uh, but 61 acting credits to her name. Appeared on a bunch of shows. New Heart, My Two Dads, The Wonder Years, all before Boy Meets World. Afterwards, moved on to roles in Beverly Hills 90210, Castle, CSI, Blackish. I recognized her first off from an episode of How I Met Your Mother huh. as one of the spoiler epi- the spoiler episode as Ted's uh, girlfriend who he doesn't realize talks a lot. Oh, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I know I've watched that episode, but I mm-hmm. just haven't thought about that. So I'm going to have to rewatch that one. Yeah, the one with all the sound effects of the glass breaking where Marshall's waiting for the results of his bar exam. Oh, yes. I <laughs> I just love them going back and forth in that episode. Check out our new podcast, <laughs> How Dads Meet Your Mother. <laughs> Check out our Patreon. <laughs> Anyway, uh, so yeah, Linda, and Linda meets Morgan. I like her. (laughs) Morgan, who is really sinking Eric with Linda already because she reveals there's been other girlfriends, billions of them. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And she goes, well, I'm just here to study. She goes, I can't believe you fell for that one. I love I love what the writers give her to work with, and her delivery is just so much fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Linda, uh, yeah, I like her. <laughs> She's, I, uh, yeah, yeah, it's fun. Okay, this, just real quick: is she not one of the cutest characters ever put to '90s television? Oh, totally, totally, so adorable. <laughs> Uh, they all go out to the kitchen for some uh, snacks, I believe. Ice cream, correct? Y- yes. Uh, it's getting warm. Goes, Come on, it's getting cold. It's ice cream. Come on, it's getting, getting warm. warm. <laughs> just uh, the timing on that is perfect. It really is. It's just is. so adorable. I-, I wonder how much rehearsal was needed or if that's just mm-hmm. natural timing. So Corey and Alan come in. Apparently, Alan and was racing Corey on Corey's brand new bike. Alan was driving. They're just Apparently. hurrying in a manly fashion. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, I also real quick. I like that they come through the side door because mm-hmm. we don't have to see that. We often see them going through the back door, or sometimes people come through the front door, but never really through the side door. Yes, and uh, which means that once they both got in the driveway, they uh, Alan hopped out of the car and hoofed it. 
So, <laughs> so but I can in. see that. Alan is such that dad of like, oh, totally. oh yeah, well, I'm going to show you <laughs> that I can park the car halfway down the driveway and get there faster than uh, you. Oh, totally. You know he he stopped at the edge of the drive and just sprinted. Mm-hmm. Car is barely in park. Oh, it might still be rolling. <laughs> he forgot the parking brake. They did that a lot in the 90s. Well, yeah. <laughs> so Corey is... is Got this great news to share with mom and dad. He's going to be the teacher for the week. Mr. Feeney's mm. made this bet with him. And uh, Amy's a little concerned. Corey, you barely manage a C-plus in social studies. How are you going to teach it? Hey, mom, the book does all the teaching. Feeney's just Vanna White pointing to the letters. <laughs> what exactly did you two high rollers bet? Well, I put up my bike. What? I just bought you that bike. Relax, Dad. Feeney's the one who's going to lose big. Yeah, what did Mr. Feeney put up against your bike? His garden weasel? <laughs> One-fifth of his weekly paycheck. Because I'm teaching one of his five classes. And come Friday, I'm rich. Why does Feeney want that bike? <laughs> Alan, obviously, this is one of those Mr. Feeney lesson things. Well, what if the lesson is... I want that bike. Why does Mr. Feeney want the bike? What would he do with it? I just love that. That's all Alan like latches on to of like, what's not the, like, going on in the class? He's just like, hey, the bike. I bought you that. Well, yeah, I mean, it's probably a pretty nice bike. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. But yes. Yeah, so Feeney is putting up uh, part of his salary and Corey's putting up his bike. So. With some quick math there, if if he's making forty thousand a year, what's mm-hmm. one fifth of his weekly take home? How rich is Corey going to be? Well, I broke this down a little bit, real quick. Okay. So I have uh, a rough guesstimate of breaking down like the taxes and whatnot, and coming to a number that roughly will end up be his salary. Okay. If you were a teacher in the nineties, pulling down this, let us know how close we are. <laughs> So like we're, we're right around like thirty one thousand like take home pay ish. Mm-hmm. That doesn't take into account of tax breaks. It doesn't take into account of you know, things he's deducting. You know all that fun mm-hmm. jazz. Any reimbursements he gets to file? Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know any improvements he's doing to the house? You know getting money back. All that jazz. So we're looking at about uh, per week about twenty five thousand. Twenty five thousand. Twenty five hundred. I'm sorry. Twenty five hundred <laughs> is roughly what he's getting each week or each month. I'm sorry. Uh, so if if roughly there's four weeks in a month, you're looking at about uh, twelve hundred for every two weeks. So a fifth of that would be uh, two hundred and fifty eight point seven three. So roughly, you know, let's just call it uh, twenty eight fifty. You can call 2859, whatever. Now, I couldn't find an exact number of what they cost to get a bike in the 90s. However, uh, in 2003, I was blessed uh, from Santa Claus uh, a bike for about uh, $250 is what it cost. So if you're taking a number from 2003, comparing it of what could potentially, you know, it could have been also in the 90s for a kid, you know, around that age, probably similar pricing. You're looking at a comparable bet. Yeah. Now, if Corey had bought the bike himself, 
that's more stakes for him. I think in his mind, well, dad bought me the bike and I'm going to get money from Feeney. So I'm a win-win. Oh, of course. Yeah. Sixth graders don't look that far ahead. <laughs> right. So now Alan's like, I just spent the equivalent of what you're betting and I'm not potentially getting a benefit from this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to be out, you know, 250, you know. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> So Alan is in a lose-lose situation. He either breaks even or loses the bike. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Next day, we're in class. Mr. Feeney is uh, he's setting up camp at Corey's desk. And yep. uh, we are getting ready for Corey to start teaching. And he's making sure that the, the bets is still on, that we've got the right... Uh, you know, the the terms are still set. Mr. Feeney says, you know, everything is as it was. Cool. How does Mr. Feeney fit into that desk? Very tightly. <laughs> I wouldn't be able to. That's a sixth I grader's mean, desk. <laughs> in, in subbing in middle school classrooms... I would occasionally sit in one of the desks and I'd go, good Lord, this is not right. <laughs> he says, mi clase es su clase. Yes. And apparently none of the rest of the class was let in on the deal because Minkus is about to have a conniption fit. He's, yeah, Minkus uh, is very upset right now. <laughs> so Corey introduces himself. He's not going to be Corey. He's not going to be Mr. Matthews. He is, hey, dude. <laughs> That's so much. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we've never heard him want to be referred to as Hey Dude before. We'll never hear him want to be referred to as Hey Dude again, but he's Hey Dude as a teacher. <laughs> All right. I like it, though. Yeah. I like it. I'm, but that, I'm, I'm here for it. <laughs> it sounds like something a 12-year-old would do. Oh, totally. I, I'm, I can buy that. Mm -hmm. And his first... Proclamation: The rule about baseball caps in class, history, and automatically yep. you got a handful of students, including Sean, who we've never seen in a baseball cap, pull them yep. out and put them on. Uh, he did wear a fishing hat uh, last episode. Though. He did wear a fishing hat, but we've never seen him in a baseball cap. Like right. he's he hangs out with Corey outside of school. We've seen Corey in baseball caps for never Sean, and I don't think we'll mm -hmm. ever see him in one. Maybe maybe a backwards one down the road, but mm -hmm. he's got his Eagles hat ready to go. <laughs> I almost forgot. This is the second episode with Topanga. It is. Topanga is back, and she's got a question for Corey. If we're going to eliminate the cap rule, can we also discard the dress code in its entirety? Why? You're not thinking about showing up like naked tomorrow are you no she just wants to have uh you know she wants to embrace uh uh wardrobe that closer resonates with the goddess basically mm -hmm. mm, more eastern type garb mm -hmm. and the thing that i still love about topanga i love that when she first came i love about it now is she has much more of a maturity and much more understanding of who she is as a being mm-hmm yeah, she's she's exploring. She is comfortable with taking these leaps and these uh, these branches off of who she might be. 
And, you know, even though she's a little bit different from one appearance to the next, she's still kind of within the same realm of the same individual and still very comfortable and confident. Yeah. Minkus, on the other hand, is just not having it. And Corey, no. because Corey's assignment is under, Corey understands sixth graders don't always do their homework. And so here's your second chance to, to, to do it. And people, Minkus, people, people. <laughs> I think this is the first time he does this, too, isn't it? I think so. I don't remember him doing that before. No, because I think this is the first time he really does it. Like, sometimes he's like, people, please. Like, they're trying to catch him in a catchphrase. And I think this is the first time it really sticks. And I think he does this quite a bit after that, too. A, I, yes, yes. This does become a minkism. Minkism? Mm-hmm. Minkism? Uh, but, yeah, I mean, Minkus did the work. Why should, you know, why, why should he have to stoop down to everyone else's level just because they're mm-hmm. lazy? And Minkus gets his own assignment to get a life. Yep. Which is rather nebulous, but okay. <laughs> Previously, Minkus has been uh, tasked with uh, becoming a cool kid and... Um, I wonder how much of that stuck with him because clearly he does not dress that way any longer. He doesn't wear those enormous pants anymore. No, but uh, you know, I think the thing that's so interesting about Minkus is that we see signs when Corey interacts with him that he is not ashamed to talk down to someone. Oh no. And Minkus, just like Topanga, Minkus is very confident in who he is. He believes himself to be the smartest person in the room and he's not afraid to let you know it. (laughs) After Corey's assignment, we go back to the kitchen. Eric has a gift for Morgan from Linda. It's an authentic paper lantern from Japan. Alan is kind of sitting down at the table. He uh, asks Eric. How was your day? I can't talk, Dad. I got to go call Linda. Didn't you just leave her house? It was 10 minutes ago. I love the look on Alex's face. Slaps himself in the forehead. Get that look on his face that only a dad can give. I've I've given that look three times this week already. It's only Monday. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's not an exaggeration. But when you're in high school, you leave the eyes of your beloved and you got to call them or nowadays text them. Like, oh, sorry, when I was in high school, you, you, we had text messages. It was still a little bit different, but still the mm-hmm. same concept, you know. Yeah, we didn't get texting until I was in college, and then we had to pay per text, so. (laughs) You're old. (laughs) Well, I guess we did get that my senior year. But still, we had to pay per text, and I had a prepaid phone that I had to pay for. So I had to buy these little cards you'd scratch off and input the code, and you'd you'd load up your phone. And you'd only call a certain amount of minutes or send a certain amount of texts. Mm -hmm. But you'd burn through those if you had a girlfriend. (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah, I had, I remember having several conversations. My parents looking and going, "Hey, if you're gonna have a girlfriend, either talk to them on the house phone before nine o'clock or after nine. Then nice use your phone. Weekends. Do not <laughs> use your minutes. <laughs> yes, nights and weekends were what it's all about, kids." We don't have that anymore. <laughs> no. I mean, everything for the most part is unlimited talk and text at this point. But oh, yeah. It used to be a big deal once upon a time. That's how they got you. So Corey comes in. He and Alan have a heart-to-heart in the kitchen. And Alan kind of he helps Corey see that 
Corey doesn't quite understand the parameters of this object lesson that Feeney set for him. Because mm-hmm. Corey doesn't understand the idea of grading on a curve. And that uh-huh. if Feeney's, because you know, Feeney's going to grade based on how he normally does. But Feeney's mm-hmm. setting himself into the Feeney, the one who is, uh, Feeney is the one who wrote the test. Feeney is placing himself in Corey's place, who barely averages a C plus. Feeney's going to put himself, plug himself into Corey's spot, blow everyone else out of the water academically except for Minkus and Topanga, mm-hmm. and just raise the bell of that curve massively. Feeney doesn't need to do anything to win this bet, and Corey, the, the Corey just has not thought this through and did not realize mm-hmm. this, but at no point. Has Alan forced Corey to call the bet? At no point did he go over the fence and say, oh, George, I really do not support this, and I bought that bike. Corey does not. Mm-hmm. He doesn't try to do that. He's letting Corey make his own mistake here. Right. But not that we see, though. True. Not that we see. Because this, this show is through the eyes of Corey, and... I think there's a strong chance that these adults have relationships that we don't normally see. And it could just be an agreement of, you know, Feeney saying, hey, I'm just trying to teach him a lesson. I have no desire to keep the bike. That's all Alan's focus is, is why does he want the bike? He wants the bike. Why does he Mm -hmm. want the bike? So he's probably like, I'm not going to keep it. I just want to teach him a lesson, you know. Entirely possible. But from what we see, we we don't see it. And. Uh, just going off of that, based on that, I, I have a lot of respect for Alan if that's how it happens. That, mm-hmm. you know, he's letting Corey have his own experience, make his own mistake here, even though Alan has basically fronted this bet. So the next day, Sean does not want to help Corey get the class under control. He's sounding mm-hmm. like a teacher, man. Topanga right, wants to sit up. up. Yeah, lighten up, man. Topanga wants to sit on a yoga cushion. Minkus has mm-hmm. one of those big old bouncy exercise ball. Not an exercise ball, but the bouncy ball, the hippity bouncy hop ball. ball. And yep. that's part of his homework. Yep. So My son has one of those, and I swear all I do is kick it around the house. Yep, yep. And uh, Corey decides since no one's paying attention, he's, I mean, he's trying to be serious. He came in in a... In a He's trying to be serious. He's trying to actually take this bet seriously, man. So he decides to take the roll call, start there, and uh, start with Topanga. I will only answer to the name. (laughs) Okay. Okay, present, but not all here. I'm going to try and work that into my daily lexicon. Present, but not all here. (laughs) But George isn't here. Where's George? And Mr. Feeney makes possibly one of my favorite entrances of all time. Hey, dude. Sorry I'm late. I was chilling with my homies. (laughs) Oh, he comes in and he's just... What what do you think about Mr. Feeney's entrance here? (laughs) Good Lord. Just... No, don't do this to us, George. Don't do this. 
Oh, yeah. Oh, man. But you got to think about it for a moment. Mr. Feeney's not a baseball fan. No. So he'd go out and buy a Phillies jersey or go to the Goodwill and get one. Like, my goodness. Like, Feeney went out and spent money. And also, like, he's got a red uh, button-up shirt underneath that. Well, I mean, he's only... Corey for one class, so he's got to be Feeney the rest of the classes. But he's got a really bright red undershirt. What jacket does he wear with that? What tie? Uh, maybe a black jacket. Uh, maybe, I don't know. A plain all right, this, red is, tie. this is a call out to all listeners. If you ever see Mr. Feeney wearing a red, like a really red undershirt, uh, please let us know because I have not seen it yet and I'm racking my brain and it's not coming to me. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. So Corey is just in despair at the desk because it, things are only going from horrible to worse. <laughs> yes. So we're at home. Corey is reading the book. He's actually trying to get somewhere and Alan walks into the living room. Still reading that book, huh, Kavar? Just trying to prepare for class. You know, this teaching stuff isn't as easy as it looks. It's not, huh? Nope. Nobody in class will pay any attention to me. Well, maybe that's because you tried to be their pal instead of their teacher. Maybe you need to set yourself apart from the class. Be more authoritative. How do I do that? How does Feeney do it? I don't know. I never paid attention. Hmm. I, I like what he's what he says though because there's context in this mm-hmm. it's still reading that book mm-hmm. so how many times has he walked by and noticed him reading the book mm-hmm. so my guess is probably for well, you know a while at least maybe an hour maybe two yeah clearly Corey's been at this trying to figure out how he's gonna be able to get through to the class because at this point he's still just trying to win the bet he's he's Uh desperately trying to figure out how to get through to the class so that he doesn't lose his bike (laughs) Uh because his motivation has gone from i want to get rich to and you know rub it in mr feeney's face to Uh i really don't want to lose my bike (laughs) and have mr feeney prove me wrong Uh and so Eric and Linda come in and Linda is just visibly distraught and Mm -hmm. Eric's trying to console her and we have a very serious Eric for the first time. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's eight episodes in, we really don't see a a serious Eric and Corey wants to know what's happened. Eric's, you know, doesn't want to talk to him right now about it. Amy and Morgan come in, want to know what's wrong and um, Linda's or, or Eric says that someone, some jerk at the mall, called her a bad name. And Morgan, you know, in her her young uh, wisdom, tries to uh, tries to console and and share her own thoughts. A boy at daycare once called me poo poo head. And uh, <laughs> as cute as it is, uh, it turns out that. Um, you know, this is where the episode really takes uh, a hard left turn because apparently someone at the mall called Linda some sort of racial slur. Uh-huh. And we're never told what it is. Right. I, I'm glad we don't. I think it's best that it just sticks to what your imagination is. But just 
the fact that she's crying is enough. Yeah, I mean, the fact that it was bad enough to uh, to break her down like this is it's it's obviously something that you know it's not something that should have been said. Period. But it's it's a very clear showing that despite Corey's belief, there is still very much prejudice and racism alive. Uh-huh. And he's shocked that it happened in our mall. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, here in his nice little suburban uh, upper middle class neighborhood that he's encountering possibly for the first time some real prejudice at play uh-huh. you know because up to this point you know he's he's had friends that we've seen that are black but we've never seen friends that are uh, that are asian or indian or right. or any other nationality that would have really um encountered any prejudice it, even though it's been with, with classmates it's not like he's been around people that have said something in right in front of him mm-hmm. exactly so, and I also will say that, like, one of the things I like about this scene is that Corey's trying to ask questions like, where, Armal? What do you say? What happened? And Eric's trying to be like, I will talk to you later. Mm-hmm. Like, I brought her here so that way she feels safe, probably was close. But, you know, like, Corey's trying to be, like, trying to understand better. And Eric's just like, not now. Yeah, I mean, he's a sixth grader, and it makes sense. He's he's oblivious to this the existence that this happens in the world. I mean, he telegraphed it earlier mm-hmm. when he said that prejudice was history, um, mm-hmm. and so it's just uh, it, it it it's just left turned. It's out of left field. Uh, whatever other left handed <laughs> analogy you can come up with, but um, it really brings. Uh, really brings it home for Corey that something that he was learning about in school actually still happens. It's not just everything in sixth grade is the same as it always was. We just let the book teach the lesson. Mm-hmm. And so that, that he carries that with him the next day. And we, uh, we go into the class next day and uh, kind of breaking it up a little bit. Mr. Feeney walks in with a meatloaf sweatshirt on and a meatloaf ball cap. Yes. And it's so just a real, real quick aside. (laughs) (laughs) So real quick meatloaf, just so people that are younger understand. uh, He was a famous singer, uh, considered a, a rock and act, rock star and actor you know he was a pretty big deal in the 90s born in dallas and he did pass away this past uh january yes he did so i don't really know a whole lot about him oh he wrote the song i would do anything for love i guess Yes. Yes. That was uh, 90s. So just seeing George Feeney in a meatloaf sweatshirt was... <laughs> it's the cover art for this episode, guys. I mean, come on. <laughs> oh, goodness. Oh, uh, yeah. 
Um, and a ball cap. I, I, I didn't notice that the first time through uh, rewatching this, and I was going, I was scrubbing back through and uh, trying to grab a, a quote exactly, and I looked, uh, I had to do a double take, and it's like, that's a meatloaf ball cap too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so anyway. Um, Corey is, uh, he comes in, you know, we're suit and tie. Mr. Feeney in his meatloaf attire. Whoa, man, suit, not cool. And Corey is trying desperately to share that, you know, this, this book about Anne Frank is important, that they need to read it. And no one's paying attention but Mr. Feeney. Yep, Mr. Feeney's paying attention. I'd also argue Topanga's paying attention. I would agree. I really would. She may be the only one. Mm-hmm. But Corey's defeat is palpable. Um, I, I love that Mr. Feeney tells Sean to deal him out. I mean, this this lets mm-hmm. Sean and the audience know, even though Corey doesn't catch it, that Mr. Feeney wants to listen to what Corey has to say because Mr. Feeney realizes that Corey has finally caught the lesson. And so Corey starts to walk out, and for whatever reason at the door, whether it's he caught Mr. Feeney's glance as he walks by, or when he walked past Sean, he got this idea in his head. When he reaches the door, he turns to look, and the camera catches on this look from Mr. Feeney that's just, you can see in his eyes, it's just this look of, go on, keep Uh going. Do it. And it just, it speaks so much. And he decides to try to get through to Sean to catch the class's attention. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm going to play the clip of the whole exchange here. Yeah, we're going to hear what Corey's lesson turns out to be. Hey, Sean, before your mother got married, what was her name again? Cordini. Cordini. So that would make you a WAP, right? What did you call me? You heard what I called you. Did you hear what he called me? I heard what he called you. What are you going to do about it? He's the teacher. What are you going to do about it? I'm going to knock his head off. What if you couldn't? What if you couldn't do anything about it? What? What if you lived in a country where I could kill you just because of your mom's last name? Corey, what are you talking about? A 15-year-old girl is dead. Anybody care? Corey. She was real smart and totally cool. She wrote this book. Her name was Anne Frank. They say she died of typhus, but they killed her because her name was Anne Frank. Anne Frank was a victim of anti-Semitism. Anti-Semitism. Thank you, Mr. Feeney. You have to read this book. And you have to pass this test. Not because of me, but because when someone calls someone else a bad name, it's not good that just that one person jumps up. We all have to jump up. In spite of everything, I still believe that people are really good at heart. And that is Corey's lesson for the day, or at least what we get to see of it. And uh, even though it's 
it's at the level of a sixth grader. It's still something that would be <laughs> incredibly necessary for a lot of people on through adult years to learn today. I mean, we live in a very polarized environment today where if you disagree with someone, you're an idiot or a moron or uh, a bigot or any other list of uh, insults. And rather than defend each other and learn to find ways to get along and to live together and find unity together, we're constantly trying to find ways to tear each other down and build division. And here we have a sixth grader who found a way to get through to at least some of his classmates because he experienced prejudice at play. It just, just not that I want to lessen the impact of someone uh, having a racial slur thrown at them in, in a place that they felt was to be safe, but he didn't, ex he experienced that. He didn't have to experience something more tragic, such as a beating or uh, even a killing based out of prejudice. And and so he was able to get through to at least some of his classmates because he was sensitive enough to the world around him and the importance of standing up for what is right and what should be right in the world. Well, he, he saw the results of prejudice. And it's beautiful that Corey, being middle-class white kid who you know, doesn't have to deal with a lot of prejudice is coming face to face with it mm -hmm. and seeing that this is not right. It's not okay. And I think you and I would both agree that being, you know, we're both white, we're both men. There are things we don't have to deal with that others do. Um, I remember when the Me Too movement started and my wife and I just had a very blunt conversation. I was like, has anything ever happened to you that you've never felt comfortable saying. And she said, well, yeah. And she told me about what occurred and nothing major, nothing severe, but it was something. And it's like when we don't experience it ourselves or don't see the faces of the people that experience it, we tend to forget that it's happening. And for a 12 year old kid that doesn't have to worry about it, doesn't have to see it because in a way he's protected. He hasn't had to, uh, endure this. I don't think that uh, it was George Feeney who was in the mall who made the slur happen so that way Corey would learn this lesson because he's not you know, he's a teacher but he's not psychotic. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> but, you know, I think it's just, it speaks to who Corey is, that he can take a moment that happens in his real life uh, of what his, him witnessing of how this girl was affected and relate to what he's learning. You know, because uh, I don't know if you uh, have read uh, The Diary of Anne Frank. It's been some time. I was probably in sixth grade when I did. I was just going to say, like, you're, you're reading the thoughts of a young girl. So you're reading, uh, or at least in my case, I was listening to because I was doing it through audiobook. And you're, you're experiencing their life through their eyes. What mm -hmm. they're feeling, what's going on, what's happening to them. And so I think Corey, when he finally sat down, finally started to read it, he started to see like, oh, there's a lot here because it doesn't take long in the in, in the diary for her to be in hiding. 
And then you think, oh, things are okay. Little things are going on. And then it's just, nope, we have to be more quieter than we were before. We really have to lessen what we're doing. We have to suffer more. We have to be careful how many times we flush the toilet. You know, all these things they're doing. And there's even this point when, for those that haven't read it yet, where you think things are getting kind of happier and, and you know, you're they're going to get through it. And then that's when her dad starts writing in it and saying, and this is what happened to my daughter. And it just breaks your heart. Mm -hmm. Um, Because Anne Frank doesn't survive. As Corey says, she was taken to a concentration camp and her and her sister were killed. And, you know, it breaks your heart because it's a 15-year-old girl. She's dead. And why doesn't anybody care? We got a real somber out of nowhere. (laughs) Yes, we did. Um, So we get to the end of the week, and Mr. Feeney and Corey go over the results of the test, and uh, Corey finds out that it's the same. Just as many passed as as before, and just as many failed as before. And Corey kind of shares his disappointment at the level of failures, but Mr. Feeney shares that he got through to some of the students. Sean, for instance, got a full letter grade higher than he normally would. And Mr. Feeney reaffirms Corey that Corey himself really learned a lot through the experience. And uh, this this whole bonding between Corey and Mr. Feeney is just really special. Mm -hmm. I mean, they even go for for the humor to kind of lighten the end of the episode where they're kind of standing by the desk and talking about being teachers and mm-hmm. Mr. Feeney offers Corey a role aid and <laughs> so back to the, uh, the point that I was going to make before um, mm-hmm. uh, the question I had asked you before whether or not Mr. Feeney had set it up yeah I I think the lesson of prejudice I think this is something that he wanted him to learn I think he wanted him to read the diary and I think he thought that he wouldn't do it unless he had something on the line. Kind of like whenever he was supposed to do the geology quiz uh, competition and he ended up acing the test. You know, and that was more valuable to Mr. Feeney. I think this week he wanted Corey and see if he could help someone else also see it. Because I think in his eyes, it would be different coming from one of their own, talking to them the way that needs to get talked to. Because as Corey says in the beginning, I don't know, I don't listen to him. And this is this is a lesson that goes beyond just school. It's, you know, how are you going to be a good person? Very, very likely. I can, I can follow the logic. Do you really think I could have gotten you to read the diary of Anne Frank? Even if you did, Mr. Feeney, I still wouldn't have understood it without you. People just don't understand us teachers, right? So that's, that's the whole, do you really think I could have gotten you to read the diary? I think he knew unless Corey had something on the line, he wasn't going to. Mm-hmm. I can I can follow your logic. What do you think, listeners? Did Mr. Feeney set this all up? Did he intend to have the bet with Corey this week? Yes. Let us know. Let us know that I'm right. <laughs> cool. <laughs> For those of you that don't know, haven't read uh, The Diary of a Young Girl, uh, it's by Anne Frank. It's a diary composed from Annalise Marie Frank, or Anne. She was a Dutch Jewish girl in Germany, and she wrote a diary uh, during her experience in hiding. And tragically, uh, she and her family were caught, and her, her mother, and her sister did not 
survive. Her father did. And after the war, they were trying to collect as many as they could have people publish diaries that people wrote through, you know, their experiences. And so he, her father struggled with, should I put this out there just because he found the diary he knew it was in there and there's a lot of stuff in there about her relationship with her mom and it not being good and so there's been different versions put out there and the one that they've really fully settled on is all of the exact writings that she had and it's you know includes the stuff that's not good about her and her mom and of course there is the Anne Frank uh, Museum where you can go to uh, it's in Amsterdam, I believe now, but uh, is where you, you can go and actually experience where they were living, what they were doing. And um, lots of famous people have uh, been there, like Justin Bieber. <laughs> That's what been you choose Bieber. to end that on? <laughs> I could have gone with Pop Star Never Stop Stopping. <laughs> Anyway, um, uh, I, I just put a note in my own notes to uh, leave some links for all of this in our uh, show notes for you guys. So um, uh, I yeah. will do my best to remember that. So yep. we'll button all this up with the episode button. Uh, Eric comes in and, uh, Mom, I'm dating a cheerleader. What happened to Linda? Linda made a cheerleading squad. I didn't, like, didn't I know like she Linda. was trying what out happened? for it. <laughs> I didn't know she was trying out for it myself. Got it on the ground floor. I'm dating a popular girl all because I was smart enough to get in on the ground floor. Yes. <laughs> and Amy, uh, Amy was a cheerleader. Is this the first time we're hearing Amy was a cheerleader in high school? I, I believe we are, but does it surprise you? Not at all. <laughs> and uh, mm-hmm. she shows off her cheer for Eric, and it's um, unique. Cute. <laughs> Thank you. Dated. Unbelievably uncool, but cute. And, uh, you know, he shares it. Cheers today are much more... Uh, how, how does Cutting he phrase edge. It? Cutting edge. Yeah. And, of <laughs> course, Linda comes in with her cheerleader uniform on, and she does the exact same cheer. And Eric uh-huh. has to try to save face by saying, it's cutting edge. And uh-huh. that is I, teacher's bet. <laughs> and I got to say, I really do love the relationship that Eric and Amy have. Like, it is adorable. It's Agreed. something that's different. And Yes, I, I love that know. relationship, too. It's 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 fantastic. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, uh, Tyler, what uh, what lesson did you learn this week, be it from Mr. Feeney or his substitute, Corey, Mr. Hey, dude. I think what I learned is is when I have opportunities to teach, um, not so much in regular high school classrooms, but, you know, uh, when I have the opportunity to, to give a lesson, uh, whether it be to my son or to, um, to youth that I'm interacting with on a regular basis, you know, be willing to take chances, be willing to take risks. Um, I very much really, I I look back fondly on times as a teenager when I was given opportunities. Brad and I met, uh, talk to the listeners right now, sorry, Brad, Uh, just hang out for a moment. Uh, When Brad was a youth pastor at my church uh, that I was attending, he and the youth leaders did a night or two when they would just kind of let the youth run stuff. And I was point person one time. and it was very, very different being actual point person, 
than just being there helping out, hanging out. And I very much remember at one point, Brett kind of turned to me like, well, you're in charge. What are you going to do? I mean, like, uh, I got a lesson. I got to make sure it's good. He's like, nope, go <laughs> deal with this. Like, okay. <laughs> so it's just, you know, getting opportunities to actually be in, in the shoes of, you know, allowing them to see that chaos and feel that a little bit is, is not a bad thing. Indeed. And uh, my lesson, um, I, I learned it from Mr. Feeney. Hey, dude, did a, did some good teaching, but uh, I learned my lesson from mm-hmm. Mr. Feeney. No matter how hard you try, there are those who will not understand, and this is not your failure. So we like to uh, give a grade to these episodes before we get out of Dodge. Miss Owens, excellent. Mr. Baker, very nice. Mr. Matthews, well, there it is. <laughs> So, Tyler, what do you give teachers bet on a grading scale of A through F? You know what? Uh, We were talking a little bit about this beforehand. Um, And I, yeah, I'm giving it an A plus. I really like this episode. This, uh, there's a good amount of humor throughout the whole episode. And then just, it turns on a dime and we get the first moment of, uh, for lack of better wording, Cor- or Sean looks at Corey goes, Corey, what are you talking about? And it's a phrase that he's going to say many, many times in the future. And this isn't <laughs> the last time we've, we're going to hear this. And so I just, it's the first time that you see Eric being serious, Corey really being serious, and then Sean being serious. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like this is the first time that any three of them are really dealing with this topic. I also love the fact that Topanga's back. This is just a really great episode, great lessons, and I just I love how the parents play it off. So this is just A-plus material. Well, I am in agreement with you. I also gave it an A-plus. Yes, yes. And uh, I, you know, it's 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 funny. It turns on a dime. Uh, it handles very deftly the uh, uh, the seriousness of the subject matter as well as the humor it needs to to keep its balance so it doesn't just drive off a cliff and get so serious that it's not enjoyable as as a piece of fiction and mm-hmm. it leaves you with hope and it really yep. does it doesn't just leave you with a sense of of dread or or brokenness it leaves you with hope that there is something to look forward to and so i i give it an a plus as well there you have it two a pluses from these two dads and before we call uh, this episode over with I have a dad joke for you. Okay. Just keep in mind, our curve is very off right now. Our curve? <laughs> yeah. Is it really? <laughs> Are you looking at past grades or? <laughs> no, no. I just, I was just thinking of the fact we both went with A plus. Like, oh, it's really going to mess up the curve for this episode. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> So anyway, so Tyler, uh, what has five toes and is not your foot? Hmm. I don't know. My foot. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> I thought you were going to say your other foot. 
So that's going to do it for us this week. Uh, I have been your dad, Brett, and you can find uh, me online uh, on Twitter, on Instagram, at Dr. Headley Art. Tyler, you have been our other dad this week. Where can we find you online? You can find the number two dad at Tyler uh, Volk on Twitter. And you can find... uh, (laughs) What can we ask you? Anything. Whatever you want to ask. Anything, anything, yes. Um, We have had a very rough night of talking. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, There will be so many. But yeah, no. Uh, You (laughs) can find all of our social media stuff on Facebook, Daz Meat World, Twitter, Daz Meat World. We do have YouTube content, so if you guys like that, follow, smash that like button all the stuff and leave us a review and uh hey if you think we deserve it five stars on uh, apple music and wherever you get your podcasts so yeah helps more people, people give find us, us a grade we'll uh, we'll probably read one off that's right we'll read your review on air promise so promise. Uh, good looking i'll see you next week i hope so good looking <laughs> and to all of our listeners out there we'll see you next week bye good looking I get looking. You can find Dad's Meat World on Facebook, Twitter, and probably a few other places just by searching for Dad's Meat World. Dad's Meat World is a production of Head First Studios. Head First Studios, tell your story. So I've changed some of my ringtones. Now, mm-hmm. when uh, Toby texts me, I hear this. I'm naked and I'm taking a math test. <laughs> Give me one second. I got to grab a cord because my phone's about to die. And now we're waiting. We're just waiting here for Brad. He has to edit this episode, so it doesn't matter how long it goes. Boom, 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 boom. Ba-ba-booey. ba ba